Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings 8, 62 through 66. Now, <clears throat> if you haven't been here, let me remind you of what's been happening in 1 Kings throughout the last chapter. The temple has just been built, the original temple, the, the glorious, the grand temple of Solomon. And he's just prayed a prayer dedicating that temple. It's a long prayer. We've finished that prayer. And now we find out what happens after his prayer of dedication is completed. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Kings 8, 62 through 66. <clears throat> now the king... And all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered for the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the sons of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, because there he offered the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat of the peace offerings. For the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat of the peace offerings. So Solomon observed the feast at that time and all Israel with him, a great assembly, from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God, for seven days and seven more days, even fourteen days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king. Then they went to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David his servant and to Israel his people. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. There are many places where we have trouble picturing what's happening in the Bible, right? This is one of those places for me. I, I try to take a step back and think, okay... How big is an oxen? You know, those are big animals. What does what does ten sheep look like? Maybe I can. Nah, I just I lose track. You get to okay, a hundred is a lot, and then after that, it's just a lot. You get past a lot, and it's I don't know, big. There's a lot of animals. There's a lot of meat. In America, we're rich. And so we eat meat a lot. Most of the world, when you get meat, that's a, that's a special thing. If you've ever spent time in uh, other countries that are not as rich as we are, you might have begun to notice this. There were times where we were served meat 
in Ethiopia where uh, it was clearly special that there was meat. And you know what? The meat was no good. It was old, tough goat. And it was, it was a celebration. It was a special gift, a treat to them. I just realize how rich we are. I mean, I was looking at the news recently and it was talking about the bird flu going through various flocks of chickens and turkeys apparently also and various experts talking about what the impact of this would be on the cost of meat for us, right? So the, the bird flu had gone through in 2015, and they're comparing and contrasting and saying, you know, at that time, uh, there was the, the price of turkeys went way up and stayed up for years. Turkeys were expensive. But, but chickens somehow remarkably uh, didn't. And part of that was due to export rules and, and you know, you just go on and on. You get into the, the weeds very quickly, right? But, but why, why do we care? Oh, because the price of chicken breasts might go up from 270 a pound to 315. Oh, wait, no, that already happened. <laughs> it might go up even more, right? And some of, some of you are still going, so what? You know, and others are going, I guess we're not eating much chicken anymore. Because <laughs> some of us have more money, even in this rich country where we can eat meat and eggs every day. When you go back and you read about the, the son, the prodigal son, who went off and squandered, wasted his inheritance. You remember that by the time he decided he should return home, he was wishing that he could eat the pods that he was feeding to the pigs. He was hungry. And when he came back, it was remarkable, his father welcomed him with open arms, right? But what did he do? Any of you kids remember what he did then? There were a few things he did. Yeah, Judah, what did he do? Brought him the best robe in the house. Wait, wait, give somebody else a chance. Liam, what else? Threw him a big party. What else? Yeah, take. He killed the fattened calf. And since we're listing the things, what else? What, what's the last one? Yeah, see you. A ring. Nailed it. Yeah. So these were all things that were meant to show, demonstrate clearly to the son and to everybody else his love for his son, right? His love for his son. One of those things was meat. Meat. They killed the fattened calf, and everybody got to eat meat. I 
Now, you might be wondering, why in the world are you spending all this time on meat? Well, this that we just read in 1 Kings, this was quite the party. There was a lot of meat. And it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like us today. Slaughtering animals for their meat, yeah, that's how they got meat. That's how we get meat too. But it wasn't common. It was special. Animals are expensive. Do you know how much grain you have to feed to a cow? How many pounds of wheat? How many pounds of corn it takes to get one pound of meat? How many meals you can eat? Before you give it all to an animal? You see what I'm saying? We don't, we don't really realize how much meat meant at that time. We don't really realize what a sacrifice a single animal was. We think of the, the nature of sacrifice, right? Okay, it's bloody. There's a lot of theological ramifications that we learn from the fact that there were offerings. These sacrifices were given to the Lord and each one meant something, right? There were different sacrifices that God instituted. And of course, the, the peak sacrifice, the, the, the final most important sacrifice was once a year. Once a year, the sacrifice of a ram sent out from the camp with the sins of the people, right? But all of these were pointing forward to Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. What I want us to see this morning is just like that sacrifice, that final ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ was provided by God for us. So also, all of this that Solomon and the people sacrificed to God was provided by God, and they were simply giving it back to him, weren't they? This is why it ends. They went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David his servant and to Israel his people. It doesn't say they, were, they went to their tents 
glad of heart, a joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that they could do for the Lord. It doesn't say that they were joyful and, and glad that God had finally recognized how much they wanted to serve him. They've, they've just sacrificed and celebrated and rejoiced for two weeks. They've been able to, to eat meat for two weeks straight. It's a remarkable party. They celebrated for a whole week and then they celebrated for another whole week. I mean, you guys, some of you just got done with a, a week of spring break, right? Can you imagine? Let's do it again. It's Sunday. Let's have another week of spring break, right? It's a party. Let's let's like let's make it last. You know, I actually had that happen one time, not with spring break, but we, but my family was on vacation. We went down to uh, went down to Cape May, New Jersey, and we used to do that every year, all the way from Wisconsin. Drive, drive. We'd have to spend the night halfway. Drive and drive and drive. We get down there, and uh, we'd done that for years. Moved to Indiana. We'd still go out to to New Jersey. And one year it was kind of coming to an end. But we were out there, had a wonderful time. And it got to time when we were supposed to go home and my parents said, you know, we're not ready to go back. Let's stay another week. And so we did. It was a party. Two weeks of vacation. Can you imagine? I can't. <laughs> How'd they swing that off? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the way my parents are. Eh. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> no. Here we've got a party. It's a party for the dedication of the temple. They've, they've been working and working, and working, and working. They've been giving, and giving, and giving, and giving, and not just for like a couple of years. Remember how many years it took to build this thing? All right, I'm looking at you, Judah. I told Judah he was right a couple weeks ago when I was wrong on the, which people it was. Who was it? The Amalekites, yeah. All those A names, they, they mix me up. So I owe him an ice cream cone. Now that your parents are back, we can get that in. <clears throat> and do you know how many years? He doesn't know. Anybody know how many years it took him to build the temple? Anybody remember? Yeah. What? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm I'm like uh oh, I'm gonna let have a kid show me up again. <laughs> Does anybody remember? Yeah, deal. I think it was. 13 years. Any, any of you adults go back and look real quick? Okay. Years of building. Years of building. Right? Years of work. 
that they had put in. And remember, I just not just years of building. They had been giving since before Solomon was king. The preparation goes back for years into David's kingship. And so when David is brought back up here, right? I got all the adults going and looking now. Is it 13 or not? I th- oh, oh, I was wrong. You're right. Yeah. Seven for the temple, 13 for his house. I preached a whole sermon on that. I forgot. Glad somebody was paying attention. Okay, so spent seven years building it, right? But how many years had they been working on it? How many years had the people of God been given to the work of preparation and of building this temple? Gathering the materials, the supplies. Now I want you to fast forward for a minute. <clears throat> we, get to, we get to the end here and it says all the, the things that they were giving thanks for, they were so glad and joyful about was the goodness that the Lord had shown to David. Notice how it says David and not Solomon. Why does it say David? David is the one who had wanted to build the temple. Part of, that's part of it, right? David was also the one who had received the promise. Right? What else? Well, David was also the new line. I mean, Solomon was of the line of David. David is the start of the new kingship line. The first king line only lasted one. One king, Saul, right? No sons of Saul ever sat on the throne. That's not a great start, is it? David had his son on the throne. That was a gift to David, wasn't it? And it was God fulfilling his promise. Now fast forward. And think about what comes after Solomon has a son. And he begins to rule. Solomon has made the work heavy for the people, right? The work of building this temple along with his house, along with many cities, Forts, fortifications, taxes were high. And it wasn't just taxes, it was labor. One of the things that you were taxed on was your strength. All right, now it's time for you to give three months of your strength to going and cutting wood. We need more cedars. Okay, we think we've got it bad. 
taxes were high. And Solomon's son comes along. And he's a fool, isn't he? He says, Oh, you think my dad was tough on you? You haven't seen tough yet. And do the people give thanks? For the goodness that God has shown to David? No. They're not interested in being under such a king, are they? Solomon has the people at the end of a big party giving thanks because why? Well, let's, let's open it up a little bit. Part of it is the exuberance of the sacrifice. The people see the king giving glory to God. The people see the king giving God all the praise. They see, they see their sacrifices paying off in the completion of the temple. They see their sacrifices being used for the building up of God's worship, for the building up of his people. And they see Solomon turning around and giving it back to God. And, and listen, I, I want you all to just keep in mind, giving it back to God means they see meals coming from it, right? They get to eat. I think that's a theological element of sacrifice that we don't often hear about. (laughs) Sacrifice is giving it up to God, right? But what of the fact that the priests were fed and the people were fed after the sacrifices were over? There's benefit that comes back, isn't there? from giving of a sacrifice. When we uh, see the way that Solomon sacrifices 22,000 oxen, 22,000 oxen, and 120,000 sheep. You realize they were glad. They were glad for the Lord. They were glad for his promises. 
They were glad for this new temple. They were glad it was done. They were glad it was beautiful. They were glad to give to the Lord. And having that celebration meant it was a celebration. There's two kinds of ways of sacrificing. One way of sacrificing says, I guess I'll give it up to the Lord. After all, it's required. No, I know there's this expectation of giving a tithe. I wonder if I can get away with 9%. I don't know. Anybody notice? The other kind of sacrificing to the Lord says, now I get to give to God. Now I get to give back to God some little part of what he's given to me. What a joy it is. What a, what a blessing it is that he's given me so much that I can give even more. What a, what a privilege it is. What a celebration we can have for the things that God has accomplished, for the things that God is doing, for the way that he's provided for us. And isn't it remarkable that when you come to the New Testament, you see Jesus talking about the sacrifices of money that they're giving, the giving at the, at the temple, right? Which, you know, money helps clarify a lot of things for us rich people, right? Oh, we're talking dollars and cents now? Okay, I can count, I can add, I can subtract, I know how this works. We'll come back to other kinds of sacrifices here in a little bit. But, you know, they're giving money. And isn't it, isn't it remarkable that Jesus says that the widow who gives two pennies has given more than the wealthy men who've been pouring the, the money into the coffers. How could she be given more? Doesn't Jesus know how to count? Oh, Jesus can do percentages. Yeah, that's part of what's going on. But isn't it true that she was giving, she was sacrificing out of her great love for the Lord? In her need? Out of what little she had? She gave generously to the Lord. Now, do you think she got anything out of it? No? <laughs> You're not old enough to answer yet. Do we get anything by giving back to the Lord. 
Let's talk about a different kind of sacrifice. You remember Hannah? Hannah praying, praying for a baby. She prayed and prayed and prayed. And God gave her, any of you kids know? All of you have already raised your hands. Somebody knew. Samuel, that's right. You're not too young to answer. Who told you that? <laughs> God gave Hannah Samuel, right? And what did, what did Hannah do with Samuel? She gave him back to the Lord. You think she got anything from that? The rich men thought that they were getting what they were supposed to get out of their gifts, out of their sacrifices, right? That they were getting the praise of man. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says not to think of money or sacrifices or giving that way, not to treat it that way. Same with prayers, right? When you pray, don't, don't pray on the corner for everyone to see you and hear you. Go into your room and pray. When you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not about demonstrating to everybody else how grand and glorious and wealthy you are, how how able you are to sacrifice, how holy you are in your giving. It's about God. It's about serving Him. And you know, when you serve the Lord, do you know what it makes you? Joyful. It makes you joyful. It really does. Serving the Lord produces joy and gladness and celebration. Now you might say, I remember times in my life where I served the Lord and it was hard. True. Fair enough. After all, the people had been working awfully hard, giving an awful lot to build this temple, hadn't they? It was hard, wasn't it? But in the end, they weren't digging holes and filling them in again. They were producing the temple. Now what are you producing when you honor God with your life? When you make sacrifices for Him, what are you building? If they're for Him, you are building His kingdom. How can you, at the end, say, well, that wasn't worth it. You can't. If you're building His kingdom, you look at it at the end and you're like, this is great! 
This is glorious. This is grand. This is his kingdom. It doesn't matter what it took. It doesn't matter what it cost. It doesn't matter what I gave up for it. What matters is, look at it. His kingdom is being established. It was never about the building, you guys. Just like the sacrifices, it's meant to be a picture, just a picture, a little bitty picture. Great big temple, little bitty picture, little bitty picture of what it means for God to establish his kingdom, for God to be present among his people as we've seen over and over and over again in this chapter up to this point. It's just a little picture of that. Here in heaven, Lord, and answer, right? And that's why when you, when you get to the end and it says that they were, that they were joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David, his servant, and to his and to Israel, his people. It doesn't say they were joyful and glad of heart that the work was finally over. <laughs> it wasn't over. They were going to come back next year and sacrifice again. They were also going to have Solomon tell them, hey, by the way, now we're going to build a city over here. Also, my house. We'll keep working on that kind of coming years. 13 of them. Our worship, the exuberance of the sacrifice, the over-the-topness of it, it wasn't over-the-top, was it? It wasn't too much. How many of you have ever had the experience of hearing a, uh, a child that doesn't really understand money or watching a child that doesn't really understand money decide how much they're going to give to something? Has ever experienced this? Okay. It's kind of funny. I don't understand money. It might, it, it might turn out any which way, right? I'm going to give 20 pieces of money. Look, all of this. 35 cents. Is it, is it, genera is it generosity? Is it loving? Is it sacrificial? Or maybe, maybe they understand a little bit better. Got that. Nice. $20 bill. I'm going to give that. You're like, you won't have any money left. You will have 35 cents left. That's the, there's $20 and 35 cents. Yeah, I'm going to give that. And what are you going to say? Oh, no. 
That's too much. No, don't give that much. Don't give that much to God. Don't, give, don't put that much in the offering. Don't, don't give that much to the crisis pregnancy center. Don't, no, don't, you don't understand. You've got you to you learn some more math if you're going to be rich, girl. You've got to understand percentages and values and what's reasonable. You've got to learn what reasonableness is before you can sacrifice. Was it reasonable for the widow to give two pennies? Are you kidding? How's she going to eat? Doesn't she know that God doesn't require that much of anybody? When is worship too much? When is sacrifice for the Lord too far? Well, the moment it's not of faith. But of course, at that point, you can't say it's sacrifice, can you? One of the things that I want us to come away from this chapter remembering is to be exuberant in worship. You, you simply cannot sacrifice tens and hundreds of thousands of animals without realizing this is huge. <laughs> this is huge. You can't do it with, without, it, without it turning into a spectacle. You can't do it without realizing, I have to really give myself to partying if I'm going to make this work. We're going to have to eat some meat here. We're going to have to get into this. But the work is never going to be done of sacrificing all these animals if we don't get to it. You guys see, this is, this is worship. After the dedication of the temple, after the prayer of dedication, then there's the work of, of doing it, of being God's people together, worshiping him. That was what it was built for. That was what they were opening it to do. You imagine building a restaurant? You know, take some investment, time, buy all the appliances, get it all installed, get the bathroom installed. You got to do a lot of work, right? You build yourself a restaurant. Opening day comes. What do you want to do on opening day? You want to serve food, right? You don't open a restaurant and then on opening day start selling wrapping paper. Here they have, they've built a temple to the Lord. What are they going to do on opening day? They're going to worship. 
They're going to celebrate that God is in their midst. And how are they going to celebrate? They're going to celebrate by giving back to him. All of the praise, all of the glory that is due him. Now, can you go too far in that? You remember David, right? David brought the ark back to Jerusalem. He was exuberant. He was over the top. He was celebrating the return of God's presence among his people. It's the same thing. And his wife was like, embarrassing. A little bit over the top, David. No, it can't be too much. Can't sacrifice too much. Can't glorify God too much. You can't be too exuberant. You can't. I know you're all thinking, well, but what about people who are trying to draw attention to themselves? Well, then they're not worshiping, are they? They're not doing it, are they? See, this is not to say there's no wrong way to worship. Of course there is. The people got really into it when Moses was up on the mountain, right? Oh, they were having a party. Oh, they knew how to eat. They knew how to drink. They knew how to party. They had themselves a golden calf to worship God, didn't they? They were, they were too exuberant. Is that what was going on? Nope. Look at this one. 120,000 sheep. Let's make it two weeks. <laughs> they knew how to party, didn't they? It's not that they were too into it. It's not that they were too exuberant. It's not that they worshipped too hard. It's that they weren't worshipping. They were worshipping but they were not worshiping God. They were worshiping idols. And so it is with the rich men compared to the widow. And so it is with Saul and his sacrifice. He saved. Oh, yeah, we saved some animals. Sacrifice. Right? Compared to David. You can't be too joyful. You can't be too happy. You can't be too celebratory when you're worshiping God, when you're giving to Him. You can't be too generous because you realize everything that I give to God, every last bit of it, there's no better place for it to go. There's no more glorious cause. There's no more worthwhile thing that I could do with it. Every last bit of it. And so the people gather and they celebrate. Now, I want to place an alternative idea out there for you that could have happened. 
instead of having a grand opening day where all of Israel came and they had a great big party together, Solomon could have said, okay, now, <clears throat> listen, we can't afford to uh, leave the fields all doing whatever for on their own for a week. So let's just have a staggered, <clears throat> soft opening here. All right, we're going to let... Uh, we're, we're going to number people off. We've got, what, 12 tribes? Let's, uh, let's divide those into 12. We'll uh, have everybody number off in their tribes by 12. One, two, three. You'll be one, two, three. You got, you're a four. Okay, five. All right, now, on ones, we'll uh, have the first week. We'll have a party for the ones. The ones can come. And uh, twos will be the second week. And let's see, we've got, we got 144. This will take a couple years for us to, to get through everybody. But we'll have a nice gentle, swelling party going on for a while here, okay? And, and then after that, you know, you can just sort of all come as you, as you want. After we get, you know, probably after you get past 100, it's like all the rest of you tables, yeah, you can come too. Yeah, the buffet's open, come on, let's, we're not going to call the numbers anymore. Come when you want. Kind of pathetic, isn't it? Nobody would want that. You want there to be celebration, right? You want there to be a climax. You, you want there to be a, hey, we did it. We're done. God be glorified. Why do I bring up that silly option? Because I think that's the way we are sometimes with our worship. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a nice calm time when I can come, and it'll be a nice calm, calm worship when there's not too much going on, not too much expected of me, not not a bunch of people getting all together. You know, it's too busy, too many people, too much happening. Worship and sacrifice are communal, even though Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? The nature of celebration is that we celebrate together. And that's what we're doing when we gather in worship Sunday morning. We, we gather and we, we celebrate the sacrifice that was made for us. And we give back in worship a little tiny bit of what he's given to us. Just a tiny bit. How much of your dignity can you give up for God? Is that something you can sacrifice? The people come together and it's a beautiful thing. Solomon, the king who was heavy in his taxes, heavy in the labor that he made them do, they're happy for him, aren't they? Why? 
Well, you know, if you want your uh, your uh, business leader application from this text, people are happy to, to work hard for a good cause. <laughs> right? They're happy to make sacrifices for a good leader. And they're especially happy to make sacrifices when they know he knows how to throw a party. There's going to be bonuses at the end. There's going to be good rewards, right? But is that what this is really about? No. Yeah, Solomon is leading them into it. Yes, the, the, it's true. It is easier to motivate people for a good cause. But all that is earthly-centered thinking, right? It's not about Solomon. He's just gotten done showing and praying over and over and over again that it's about God. A good leader leads the people to God. And their sacrifices are for him. And then they celebrate what God has accomplished among his people. Yeah, and it's earthly. It's earthy anyway. There's an actual physical building at the end. That's a beautiful thing. It's worth celebrating. But God is accomplishing among his people the building and establishing of his kingdom. And that's what we give ourselves to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our lives are yours. Our money is yours. Our houses, our cars, our clothes, our phones, our wallets, our bank accounts. Our property, our pets, and our children, they are yours. Our time is yours. This worship service is yours. And Father, we offer back to you the sacrifice of praise. May our hearts be pure and holy before you. Help us to give joyfully and to celebrate the building of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.